0: If you love what you hear in the podcast please go to buy a cup of coffee the radio horror link is in the show notes once on top of the twitter page or you can just go to buy me of backslash radio horror and you can help support any other podcast here on the radio horror network donations go towards cloud service and new equipment thank you Before we get to the review of Hackslash Nailbiter. On the show with us now is the guy behind Hackslash Nailbiter, as well as the Nailbiter book and a bunch of other funny books. Sometimes people ran around real fast, and sometimes they do crazy superhero stuff. But Joshua Williamson is on the show with us now, superstar writer of comics. Thank you for joining us, Joshua. Yeah, thank you for having me. It's always
1: fun to talk about horror comics.
0: Especially uh, Nailbiter, which is your baby.
1: Yeah, yeah. I've, Nailbiter was like the book I wanted to do for a really long time, and every time I would talk to publishers about it, they would say no. Uh, and but I was I always knew it was like one of those things, like in your gut, you know, you know, is like the book for you to do. And then I finally got to do an image, and then it like totally changed my life. It like definitely helped me out with my whole career, and I I love it, and I I miss it.
0: Nailbiter seems like you have an obsession with serial killers. It's like you took all your energy of, like, you know, oh, my God, what kind of serial killer would I ever want to be? Well, I'll just write them all down.
1: Yeah, well, I chew my nails. That's a big piece of the puzzle, to let you know. Uh, I chew my nails that I have, like, my entire life. And, you know, that kind of weird stigma that can come from chewing your nails, it's interesting. Like, when I was young, it was, like, I don't know. It felt like it was just like an awful, awful bad habit. But now it's, it's interesting how now as an adult, I know so many creative people and so many comic book creators and comic book artists that all chew their nails. Uh, but yeah, like I always, you know, was sort of interested in these stories, of serial killers. And I would read books or I would watch documentaries. Obviously I watch horror movies and I just started, was always thinking about doing a book. I had, I had two ideas. I really wanted to do a book about serial killers. And then I wanted to do a book about small towns. And then I was uh, doing research on the Zodiac. And I read something in there about how at one point the Zodiac had lived in, or was believed, they believed the Zodiac lived in the town I grew up in. And I remember then, like, it oh, so weird that he was there in the same town that I was in when I was a kid and then I was like oh you know when I was a kid I remember there were other serial killers there were other books about other serial killers in California and the part of California I'm from and I was like what am I that's about like why and then all of a sudden I was on an airplane when I had this idea I was sitting there my, just jotting ideas down in my notebook and all of a sudden I just clicked like oh, what if they were born there and I wrote that at the top of my notebook. And I just started going from there. And then when I started talking with my Mike and the artists, we started just talking about all these different ideas for serial killers and all of them having weird gimmicks. Like, we had rules and things we kind of set parameters for ourselves with the serial killers. And then we just started talking about different ideas and different things we could do to play with. And then we just started making lists. And, it like, now I, I look back at it sometimes and I want to, like, revise some of the serial killers and change them around. Um, but, yeah, it was just a... Uh, a lot of making lists of different kinds of serial killers and just looking at uh you know the past of different kinds of serial killers just trying to it sounds weird to say we were trying to come up with fun serial killers but that's basically what it was.
0: The uh my favorite one in there is the cat collar
1: or the whistler. Oh yeah you're talking about the blonde.
0: The blonde, yeah.
1: yeah. I think a lot of women would agree. Yeah, that's my favorite one. <laughs> that actually came from my wife. Um when my wife and I first met on our very first date. I had actually just got Nailbiter biter rejected by another publisher. And I got it rejected that day. And so we're on this date and we started talking. And I said, Oh, well, you know, I had done, I don't know, in the in the conversation it came up that the pitcher got rejected for this book. And she's like, Oh, what's the book about? And I started telling her what it was about. Um, this is really early. This is like very early in me developing the book. Um And she was like, oh, well, my wife used to work in uh, law enforcement and she had gone to school for um, criminal justice. And so she knew a lot about serial killers. And uh, we started talking about it. And yeah, she knew a lot. Like I was doing research, but she knew a lot more than I did. Um, And she knew a lot of stuff about like criminal behavior. And so we started talking about that. And then when I started making the list, of uh, the different serial killers that was actually an idea that she had was the blonde <laughs> uh so that was where that came from
2: i love that your wife had a part of the creation process in the comics as well because that that's just cool to hear
1: yeah i mean she knew a lot about uh criminal justice and to this day like if i need to ask her questions about things there's a book on B- dc that i shouldn't talk about i can't say what it's about but there's a character on parole in the in the story, and uh, going to her and talking about what those kinds of processes are like, and she doesn't work in law enforcement anymore. She hasn't probably like I don't know six years almost. Uh, but like I said, she went to school for it and she did work in it, so she has a lot of interesting perspectives on stuff of crime. And so whenever I'm doing anything that's kind of crime related, I'll go to her and talk with her about it and get her take on it. And she has her own perspective, which is good. So you know, it's definitely helpful when I'm working on anything that's like kind of crime based or even like with Nailbiter, it's very much like a little bit of crime, but a lot of horror. So the horror side of things, she doesn't like horror stuff that much, but when it comes to crime stuff, she knows it really well. And so it's, she definitely was very helpful in developing some of the stuff with the book.
0: What, uh, what, what parts of the book did you pull, uh, pull from your wife to make sure it was like accurate enough we, we did an interview, uh, well, I did an interview on another podcast I do with a, uh, uh, a state trooper here in Massachusetts who really gave us an insight into, like, police procedures with a police procedure fantasy show that uh, I had reviewed.
1: Uh, it was more about, it was, it was interesting, I think with her, it was just more about the methods of serial killers profiling. She had a lot, cause she had wanted to be a profiler at one point, and so she had a lot of, insight into kind of what the realities of profiling are versus the way it's presented on TV and the way it's presented in movies. It's not, it isn't like that in real life. And so it was interesting kind of talking with her. And so a lot of that went into the book.
2: I'm curious to know with all the different genres you've been writing in, because you've gone from horror, you've gone from doing superheroes. What would you say is your favorite genre that you enjoy writing?
1: A uh, horror for sure. <laughs> like easily. I was watching Malignant last night and I was thinking about this. I didn't finish it. I uh uh my wife is not a big horror fan. So like last night I watched like the first thirty minutes of it before we switched over to watching Ted Lasso, uh, which is not horror at all. Um, uh, but I was thinking about last night. Just even watching that little bit of malignant, just reminded me of other things. And I was watching Jacob Slatter the other night. night and I was just it was just putting me in the, the zone of horror stuff, like, a lot of the creator-owned things I'm working on um, that I'm putting together for the next couple of years that I want to do are all horror stuff, and, and I think that's the thing about with, like, Nailbiter, and I did another book called Ghosted, all those things, It's just horror stuff, and that's, it, it's easily where I'm the most happy, and I feel like it's the most, like, satisfying, I think, for me to work on is, is horror stuff. Like, I like superheroes, uh, but there's just something that I find in horror that kind of piece that I find there writing it for some reason uh I just see it in my my head a little differently and I really like watching documentaries or horror movies or watching interviews with horror movie directors or horror writers and I feel I get the most inspired from that um than anything else
2: I can completely understand and relate to that there's just and you know it's someone else who is a fan of horror it's just one of those things where it's like I feel like I get so much more enjoyment when I'm just sitting there relaxing some horror movies. And, and you know what? I have been enjoying a lot of good horror documentaries recently, too. So that's pretty mm-hmm.
1: cool. What did you watch that was good recently, it was like a horror documentary? Me.
2: I watched the um, – I can't remember because, of course, with the documentaries, they always give them the really nice titles and everything. Yeah. But some of them – yeah. But this one was one for Event Horizon – so oh. I found that extremely interesting and like their concept of the fact that they had built the ship to look like a cathedral out in Los Angeles. So I thought that was pretty cool.
1: Yeah. That movie is great. Um, I, I know it has like a, like, I don't know it's weird, but I guess it's a cult following. And it wasn't like the time I never knew that. Like whenever when I saw it, I was in college and I was like, this movie is awesome. And I had no idea until later that like some people didn't like it, but I was actually watching a, um, uh what is it called it's like what culture right I think that's what's called um yeah, on yeah. YouTube. and they have the what culture horror channel and i'll watch stuff on there like i watched one the other night that was like 10 examples of hell in film and uh and they used event horizons i think it was number one on their list it was interesting to see it up on there but yeah like watching documentaries about horror movies there's something really cool like shutter has a few that are really good um Eli Roth did one or there's two seasons of the Eli Roth like history of horror one that's interesting to watch uh yeah whenever I'm watching those I'll say John Carpenter anytime John Carpenter is in one and they're interviewing him he will always come back with some kind of amazing insight you know it's like talking about horror movies and I I think yeah John Carpenter he was talking I can't remember. It wasn't, he didn't say this in an, in an interview, but in Cigarette Burns, which is a Masters of Horror show on Showtime, like a lifetime ago, one of the oh, movies.
2: Oh, the one with Norman Reedus. I think I know which one you're yes, talking about. Yes, yes.
1: Okay, exactly. Yeah. So it's called Cigarette Burns. That's John Carpenter made that. And in that, uh, one of the characters talks about going to the movies. And I feel like it's John Carpenter speaking. because He wrote and directed it. So I feel like it's him speaking to the audience. But basically, John, the character says that, like, where else would you ever find yourself sitting in a dark room with a bunch of strangers? Like, it's so accepted that we all do this thing. And he's like, when you go into a theater, you are are doing this thing because you trust that. Like, there is something about us that we trust the idea that we're going to sit in a room, a dark room with a bunch of strangers, and we're going to watch this thing. And you put your faith and trust into filmmakers to entertain you. But then also make you feel safe in that situation. And then when you leave that theater, you have such a relief. I think Del Toro talks about this too. That like when you walk out of the theater, you know you have such. A, if the filmmaker does a good job, they've built such a like tenseness inside of you, right? That you you feel it like. And then when you finally leave the theater, that release can be so comforting. And uh, I think about a lot when I'm working on horror stuff and and making the books. And, and comics are so different than film, but I think there's tricks. I mean, that was the thing about Nailbiter was making Nailbiter, I was thinking a lot of like, how to do tricks I had seen in movies. How do I do those things in comics? And it's like how, you know, in Halloween, where it's that one track shot where they follow Michael through the house and it's all through Michael's POV until the mask is ripped off. Yeah. Um, I wanted to find places for that in comics and I feel like I had done I had done a few image books and a few Marvel and DC things here and there but Nailbiter was the first time I feel like I was like, okay like I have learned all these little things from all these different books I've done and things I like. like I know what I like and I know what I like to write about and I know how I like to write about it right because i just it. I think comics and this is the thing with movies and TV too is that it's not just the story you're telling. It's how you tell that story.
0: And so I learned
1: all that stuff. And then again, looking at documentaries, um, there's a couple of really great ones. There was a show on bio channel. I think it was called the inside story. And they would do these like two hours, sometimes three hour long new documentaries. It was like a mix of like new interviews, old interviews um, of different movies. Most of them were horror these documentaries are so good that they would later repackage them as like movies for like documentary. It was, it was part of a series of documentaries, but they'd repackage them. And sometimes they would be on like a Blu-ray as backup. Cause it'd be like, they did Science of the Lambs. They did Halloween. They did Nightmare. Uh, and uh, with the Nightmare one, that Nightmare one is really long. I think they retiled it. I think it's the one it's called, it's not called Sleep No More. I, I might be wrong. Um, and then they did what else did they get halloween science the lambs nightmare uh and scream and there's a few others that they did but just them talk like it's just interesting listening to them talk about those movies and what they did to make them scary and a lot of that went into making uh nailbiter
0: what um how how many issues did a Nailbiter go for, and it did come back, right? Like Nailbiter returns. Yeah, upon? we did. um We did thirty issues, which is always the plan. We
1: did thirty issues, and then um, we did an additional ten, and then we plan on do. We have we have probably like, I feel like we have like two more Nailbiter stories in us, but they'll be shorter, and I have a bunch of like little short stories I want to wrong with the other serial killers, because that was one thing we didn't get to do as much, As I I never got to flesh out some of the other serial killers. And so one thing I'd like to do is sort of do little shorts about the other serial killers, because there's 16 of them, so I'd like to do little shorts of each of, of them. Um, You know, it's like with the Hack Slash, we did uh, the Lucha Limador was in Tim's section, and then in my section I did Mr. Fatal, which then became important. Like, this is like a spoiler, but it's like the hack slash, at least for us, the hack slash special isn't, like, a throwaway. It becomes much... It becomes important once you get to, like, toward the end. Once you get toward the end of Nailbiter, the hack slash special becomes important. Well,
0: yeah, I mean, it's also, like, a prequel,
1: too. It is a little bit of a prequel. Yeah, it's a bit of a prequel. Yeah. What, It's I'm
0: a, Oops, a prequel, go ahead, prequel, sequel. I mean, it's, it's like, a, a prequel but it also has like a bit of an interlude to the first opening sequence of the book. Yeah.
1: Yeah. So you can kind of end up and you don't have to read it, but it is something like, there's a reason we collected it in the third hardcover because, uh, we knew like, you're going to get to a point in the book where you're going to be like, where did that happen? You know? So I was like, well, if someone's reading these collections, they can actually get it. You know, you have, you have all of it completed, but I'm not sure if Tim told you, but that Tim and I, we actually decided we were doing, um, we decided we were going to do this crossover while we were washing the dishes together. Like we were on a road trip and I was washing dishes and he was uh, drying them off. And I was like, man, we should do, we were talking about nail butter and hack slash. And I was like, Hey, we should do a crossover. He was like, Yeah, we should. That'd be cool. And then like a week later I called him and I was like, we should really do that. And he's like, Oh, I thought you were joking. And I'm like, no, no, we should. We should. <laughs> and he was like, yeah, you're right. We should, we should. And that took some time. And then him and I getting on the phone a couple of times to talk out a couple things, and then and then it just, like, came together, and then I was like, let's do it as a flipbook, uh, and um, it was funny, because, like, Image didn't understand at first that I wanted it to be a flipbook, um, but it worked out. I love flipbooks, and I think doing, like, it, I wanted it to feel like a, you know, like a double feature. Yeah. That was what I wanted it to kind of feel like, so I thought it'd be fun to do, like, a little flipbook double feature for you know, buyer and hackslash and it totally worked out.
0: Yeah, it was my first introduction to it, because I, uh, I d- do I have my Nailbiter signed by you? I don't, I, you know, the story behind the volume one, I guess, I have my Nailbiter hacked slash signed by you, because the story is, I was unfamiliar with Nailbiter volume one. You <laughs> gave <laughs> me, at the con, Nailbiter volume one. Why did I do
1: that? <laughs> I didn't do buy- Did you buy it from me, or I just gave it to you? I
0: swear, okay, I think I had, I swear to God, I got I got this for free from you. I, I know. You I did. believe it. I do that all the
1: time. It's very likely that I might have given it for free. Yeah, I think that's what it was. That's fun. That's cool.
0: Yeah, because I was a big fan of it, but I wasn't too familiar with Who nail Better. I, I was like, oh, it's my book, and. I think you had just. I I, I swear it was bef- just before rebirth too. So you hadn't even started on the on the the flash yet.
1: Yeah, I'm trying to think that Boston that was probably
0: that could have been 2015.
1: Yeah, yeah, that was probably 2015 because I didn't do Boston again for a little bit.
0: Right, but, I know. I, I the uh, I think you were. Um, I think you had mentioned. Oh, I'm working on something I can't talk about, and of course, what <laughs> that would be would be, you know, the flash.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean that was a that was an interesting time. That was a good year for conventions for me. It was twenty fifteen. So I was definitely like giving books away and selling books and everything. But yeah, I mean, you know, Tim I'm not sure if Tim was at that show or not.
0: I don't I get him mixed up, man. Boston I know Chicago. in twenty sixteen I know in twenty sixteen he was at that show with uh his brother. yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. No, What was your question going to be? Oh, well, I was going to say, Charcy, do you have any other questions for Joshua before we have to let him go? Uh,
2: Yeah, I'm actually very curious to know, what would you consider is your writing
1: Kryptonite? Team books. <laughs> 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 even though I'm writing one right now, even though I have a co-writer on it, team books are hard. Team with like, a lot of characters. If there's too many characters and I can't slow things down, if I can't have, like, I was going to sound weird. I don't know. I I like in movies, I was thinking about this when I was watching um, Jacob's Ladders the other night and how like there are moments of that where it's just quiet, you know? It isn't always so loud. Like, I'm working on a couple other books and, and the thing I always think about is like, I don't have a character literally do this, but it's almost like having a character stop and take like a long drag off of a cigarette and like contemplate what's going on around them. Like, I feel like i like movies and books where the equivalent of that happens where a character just kind of slows down for a moment where a scene slows down or you kind of like let it breathe a little bit and you can only really do that it's easier to do that when you have characters that uh lend to that like flash was always really hard because he talks in his head nonstop, and he's a very hyper character and he's running around everywhere so it's hard to like have moments where things slow down uh robin is a little easier to do that batman is easier to do that um but then once you get the team books it's so challenging like the more and more characters you add the harder it gets to just like have a character kind of slow down and and then it gets harder to have povs and make sure it has room to breathe but it's like if you're doing a book like you know i don't know because every book is technically a team book if you have a supporting cast but there's just definitely a difference so i would say team books team books are super hard <laughs> <laughs> the
0: um the I uh, everything I read from Nail Butter I absolutely enjoyed. I've only read the first uh I think it's the omnibus for the Flash so the first like 12 issues of Rebirth. Yeah, um, so yeah. I'm really behind. I'm really really behind. Flash is not my big big number one character. That's Spider-Man. No. When you went Spider-Man yeah, yeah. Get back to me. Um, well, I would love
1: to. Well, I wrote, yeah, I really like a 101 issues of Flash plus one. That is seven.
0: crazy, dude.
1: Yeah, it was like my full time job for a while. That's oh, part that's of why awesome. it was different. It was just a different book, but yeah, Spider Man. I love Spider Man. I'm. Uh, I was just looking today, like Hasbro announced like a ton of new Spider Man toys, and I'm like, I have to get all of these. <laughs> and they
0: tapped. Uh, they tapped your run of the flash for the TV series for a few things.
1: Yeah, the last two seasons. Let's see. The yeah, the last two seasons, I used a lot of my stuff. And one of those was a horror character I created that I actually created when I was a kid called Bloodwork. Um. And I create him as a, like a just a a quick little two issue story arc, and they end up turning him into the villain for eight episodes. Wow. Uh, yeah, it was fun because they did like kind of a little bit of a horror story with him, so it was kind of cool. They brought it was that up, which was the favorite? point of him. No, that was season seven. It was the beginning of season. Or is that season six? Whatever the season right now was, was season seven.
0: Yeah, so season six. Oh, oh okay. yeah, I don't. I don't oh, okay, I, I I watched it up to this season up till. Yeah, the only thing I've the only thing I haven't seen is pretty much all of this past season. Then it I saw the they World had. The, then I saw that the Flash and Zoom had lightsabers, and I'm like, I don't think I want to go back to this. Oh. <laughs> They're lightning bolts. They're holding lightning. Oh, lights. my God. That is what everyone has now declared. The Flash has jumped the shark. They need to end the show. Oh, it'll be fine. No, it won't. Alright, we understand DC's listening. You can't say anything bad. I said it. I totally did. <laughs> we'll say it for you, okay? Uh, uh, Joshua, where can people find you online if they want to send you accolades praise about oh. Nailbiter and um, argue with you about um, lightsabers with the Flash? <laughs> Uh, yeah, the best
1: place is just on Twitter at Williamson underscore Josh. Uh, and then I'm building a, a new website uh, that's going to be, it's from the Joshua com. So awesome, in the next awesome. couple of months, that'll be another place to find me.
0: Cool. Awesome. Well, thank you for joining us as we cover this issue of uh, Hack Slash versus Nailbiter. Nailbiter has been a lot of fun to read, to uh, reread and then uh, read stuff that I haven't read about it. So it's, it's definitely a highly recommended book for me on this podcast. Awesome! Thank you so much for having me on. Dorgan Ramen is a restaurant in Ashland, Massachusetts, it serves traditional and authentic Japanese ramen, Thai noodle soups, and the best chicken wings in the Metro West. Everything done in-house from scratch, and they use only the highest quality products from small farms. Co-chef owners, Papa Nook and Alan McIntosh combine their culinary skills with traditional Japanese cuisine to create an authentic, amazing flavor in every dish. Located at 1 West Union Street on Ashland, Massachusetts, their phone number is 508-309-3416. Or they can be located on Facebook at Dorgan Ramen Ashland and on their website as well, www.dorganramen.com. Welcome back to the award-dominated comic book podcast, Goth Girl Horror, the official hack slash show. I am your host, Dr. Chris.
2: And I am your co-host, Tercee Lux.
0: And tonight we are talking about a rather unusual crossover hack slash issue. It's kind of a double flip book. came out in 2015, so we're jumping a little ahead of the timeline, but it actually takes place back during Volume 1, and it acts as both an interlude prequel to the uh, Reanimator story, which introduced us to Cassie's dad, but also as a prequel to Nailbiter Volume 1, which is Joshua Williamson's uh, serial killer comic book. And Joshua Williamson is the writer of currently, right now, uh, since uh, DC Rebirth number one of The Flash.
2: Which I was going to say, that's probably a phenomenal comic, which you're going to talk about that one today.
0: I've read a couple volumes of it. I'm really behind on it. But uh, from what I know of current stuff, he has done a phenomenal job of, like, fixing a lot of, like, problems people have with The Flash, including, like, Wally West recently, uh, retconning in some stuff to uh, redeem Wally West after uh, Heroes in Crisis. Uh, But, uh, yeah, his run on The Flash has been epic. They've definitely used a lot of his stuff as well on The Flash television show on The CW. Nice. Yeah, so I met Joshua Williams at Boston Comic-Con years ago, and I bought on his table uh, a copy of Nailbiter Volume 1. I, I actually wanted to interview him for another book he did, um, Ghosts, which was a really cool uh, Shining meets Ocean's Eleven story.
2: Oh, nice. I was going to say, that sounds cool.
0: Yeah, and he said, oh, this is my current book. Um, I bought Ghost Volume No, oh yeah, that's what happened. So, I had forgotten Ghosts Volume 1 at home. I had a copy of it. I bought from him Ghost Volume 2. He signed me a copy of Volume 1 and then signed me a free copy as well of Nailbiter. Nice. Yeah. Uh, I was going to say, that's
2: winning right there.
0: I told him how much I loved Ghosts. And I I I didn't realize he was gonna be at the con. And by the way, he was in like the cheap seats with the other uh, artists. you know what I mean? Like the kind of the low the 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 writers that are not super popular. You know, they're 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 independent. They're they're working for Image. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, yeah. Nowadays, you'd see Joshua Williams right there next to Donny Cates or Nick Spencer, who currently write. Donny Cates is ending his run on um, Venom and uh, Thor, and he's gonna about to start the Incredible Hulk. Uh, back to issue number one, and Nick Spencer writes the Amazing Spider-Man. You would see Joshua Williams right next to those guys these days.
2: I, I was gonna say, just think of where he's
0: at now. Definitely, it's it's funny. I think I, I always thought he was a great writer, but he was definitely shuffled in with the other kind of low end independent people, you know, at cons when I first met him, and now he would definitely be on the back wall with the, all the big dogs. Uh huh. Definitely. The reason I talk about this is that not that I'm going to meet Joshua Williams this weekend, but this coming weekend that uh, I'm recording—we're recording this on August 30th. But this coming weekend is Boston Comic Con here in Massachusetts.
2: Which I was going to say, it's going to be a lot of fun. But as long as everybody takes care and stays safe, that's for sure.
0: Yeah, we'll we'll definitely see. I'm going Friday and Saturday. Um, I'm going to be masked up, of course. Uh, I think the Boston Comic Con does have a mask protocol in place. And they are a big con, so they are gonna be enforcing it.
2: And yeah, I was gonna say nobody's gonna get away thinking that they're gonna sneak around without one. So. No,
0: but people are gonna have attitude problems showing up saying, Oh, I'm vaccinated, I don't need a mask.
2: Yeah. Right, how yeah. about
0: all the people who aren't could possibly carrying COVID? You can still get COVID, dummies, if you don't even if you have the vaccine. Just saying.
2: It just it helps uh, prevent it better, and on top of that, it makes it so that if you do end up getting COVID, you don't have as bad as symptoms. Right. Yeah, I don't so think you need to, to wear a mask.
0: I, I don't think you need to wear a mask every five minutes everywhere you go. But something like a Comic no. Con, come on, are you kidding me? Common sense.
2: <laughs> Where people are traveling from all over the world, yeah. <laughs> right.
0: So why don't I go through a little bit about who Nailbiter is first before you get to your plot synopsis? Now, as I said, I have Sounds Nailbiter good. Volume 1, signed by Josh. It has a picture of a hand being lowered down to somebody's mouth. It says, there will be blood. Um, credits on it are Williamson, Henderson, Guzkowski, Hill, and Levine, uh, which means Mike Henderson, covers by Adam Guzkowski, letters, books designed by John Hill, and edited by Rob Levine. Uh, Nailbiter was created by Joshua Williamson and Mike Henderson. Um, and this is Volume 1, which, by the way, Image Comics Volume 1s are $9.99 for the first volume. They want to hook you when they're basically regular price of 14 15 or 16 99
2: Yeah, I would definitely snag one of those.
0: Nailbiter Volume 1 opens up with Edward Warren, the Nailbiter serial killer, is captured by the police. We flash forward three years later, and uh, Nicholas Finch, an officer in the Army's intelligence, is about to commit suicide, but when he gets a call from a friend of his to go to Buckaroo County... By a, uh, um, a a guy named Elliot Carroll. When he gets there, Elliot is nowhere to be found, and he meets a local female sheriff, Crane who actually happened to have once upon a time dated the nail-biter serial killer back in high school. She tells him about the history of the town, and 15 of the most notorious serial killers have come from the town, including Crossbones, a guy who would basically make real-life crossbones out of people's own bones and skull, the Terrible Two, a couple of brother-sister twins who hunted down and murdered other twins, and the Blonde, who would kill anyone who catcalled her. That's, I think, the hero of a lot of women, don't you think, Charcy? Mm-hmm.
2: Uh, you know what? That would be an anti-hero for a lot of ladies.
0: Um, eight months ago, Warren was found innocent on all charges of murder and moved back to the town, got himself a cushy book deal in a movie of the week, and has been living off the millions that he's made off of it. Uh, living back in the town that did birth him, as well as these other 15 serial killers. He is the 16th most notorious serial killer of the town. Carl has gone missing, and Crane thinks Warren knows something about it. Crane and Warren used to... Um, uh, is that? When Finch gets to the town, he surveys a young girl named Alice being sexually harassed by a couple of local town assholes and h- handles them accordingly when Crane shows up, um, as well as the return of a long-fought dead serial killer. In the end, we find out uh, Carol has had his arms and legs cut off and is in the uh, underground caverns below the Serial Killer's Cemetery. And they need the help of Warren to escape the new Serial Killer on the loose. Warren's partner is the owner of a Serial Killer... Theme store in town, and Alice begins her own investigation on, the, on who could possibly be the new serial killer in their small town. To be continued. Now, Nailbiter Hackslash, again, acts as both a, uh, k- both of them are kind of prequels to this main story, actually. And now we're going to get to Hack Nailbiter, or Nailbiter Hack slash. Now, Charcy has mentioned to me offline that only half of this comic book was available in the Omnibus. Was that the Hack Slash Nailbiter part with the uh serial killer?
2: Yes, that was the one I had found, but luckily I was able to find the Nailbiter Hack slash, the original half, online with no issues. So
0: Cool. Alright, why don't you give us the plot synopsis for both short stories?
2: For Nailbiter Hackslash, I have story by Joshua Williamson, art by Mike Henderson, colors by Adam Gozwalski, letters and book design by John J. Hill, edited by Rob Levine,
1: Levine
2: and logo by Tim Daniel. Of course, we have credits to Hackslash created by Tim Seeley. Oh, yeah, so it was originally published on March t- 2015, and published by Image Comics. A few years before Nailbiter's arrest, Cassie and Vlad are at a small town fair looking for a killer that they think is a slasher. Cassie ends up trailing a blond-haired man because she felt he was suspicious. He hen- ends up noticing that she's following him, and he surprises her by sneaking up behind her. He introduces himself as Edward Charles Warren and tells her that he's at the fair looking for a butcher. When she doesn't know what a butcher is, he explains that they are 15 serial killers, all born out of the same area. He claims he's looking for them because he wants answers because he was born from the same town. While looking for Warren's butcher, Cassie is knocked out from behind and Warren is taken hostage. He wakes up to find he's tied up on a Ferris wheel with an old classmate of his. He is a killer of what-ifs, his curiosity to know what would happen if he were to put himself into dangerous situations and if he could live or not. But in order to answer his what-if questions, he would put other people into harm's way to find out. This time, his what-if question was, what if I fell off a Ferris wheel and Warren was to be his guinea pig? Cassie manages to show up in time to help save Warren, After getting in a battle with the butcher and smashing his face in with a flaming bat, both men are about to fall off the ride. She catches Warren before he falls, but the what-if butcher falls off the Ferris wheel instead. Unfortunately, they are unable to find him. They catch up to Vlad on the ground below, and Cassie updates him on the night's events. They say their goodbyes, and as Cassie and Vlad walk away, Warren opens the trunk of his car. His hometown didn't have 15 serial killers born there, but 16. Warren is the serial killer known as Nailbiter. Hackslash Nailbiter was written by Tim Seeley, art by Emilio Lasio, colors by K. Michael Russell, letters by Chris Crank, and a special thanks to Joshua Williamson and Mike Henderson. For this plot synopsis, Cassie and Vlad are in a tiny coffee shop in Portland, Oregon. Cassie is getting caught up on her emails when she had received one from Warren. He claims that her mom was originally from Buckaroo. So Cassie and Vlad pack up and head to Buckaroo, Oregon, where they meet up with a man named Pedro Miramontes. He tells them that Warren is in Riverside, California, unexpectedly, but that he is their contact to help them out. Cassie is pissed and goes to leave, but he is able to entice her curiosity by bringing up not only not just her mom's past, but the fact that he has information on Jack Hack, her father, as well. Pedro leads them out into the countryside to an old abandoned barn where Cassie's father was supposedly buried trying to do research on her mom. He takes them to a gravesite. where, on closer inspection, they realize that the gravestone says Vlad. It was a trap set up by Pedro and Warren, and Vlad and Cassie fall into the ground to Pedro's hidden fighting ring. He explains that Warren wanted them destroyed because he was a serial killer butcher, and he didn't want Cassie stopping his work someday in the future. He beats up Vlad and Cassie pretty badly, but she is able to stab him in the back of the leg with a piece of broken glass from a jar that she had stolen earlier in the day. While injured, Pedro is pinned to the ground by Vlad, and he's taken out once and for all by Cassie. After being betrayed by Warren, Cassie and Vlad head to Riverside looking for him. He's already been captured by the police and outed as Nailbiter. Turns out he was a monster all along.
0: Uh, her signature tank top, you know, her signature bra and fishnets. It looks like the scene in the promo piece of artwork that Tim Seeley has posted online of uh, Michael Myers behind Cassie.
2: Yeah, it definitely does.
0: Okay, so you see that too? Mm-hmm. All right. Um, now, in a little caption box, it says, Note, the story takes place before Hack Slash the Series, Volume 1, Issue 12. That is the beginning of the Reanimator storyline.
2: Okay. That's
0: yeah. Or Cassie finds out about her dad because she is investigating more of her father at this point. Um, I think it's very funny that Vlad's just like, "It's your people. Look, they're dressed like you." And she's like, "No, mm-hmm. these are douchebags."
2: <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
0: now, the Buckaroo Museum of a Serial Killer. The owner of this is killed in Nailbiter Volume One. The guy with the uh, the hat on. That's, so
2: that's kind of ironic, so they do tie together then.
0: Yes, because again, this is before, this is why it says at the very beginning um, that the nail-biter at the, um, the nail-biter at the end of the story is going to prison for being caught. The first three pages of Nailbiter Volume 1, the police raid the house and find him chewing on the fingers of his victims.
2: Which is a lot of the pictures I've noticed him chewing on fingernails. It's like, Ugh. <laughs>
0: Right. Um so the flip story that we do takes place uh before this as well. So again, it's it's just uh just a little bit during or after what happens. Um A nice little prequel. Correct. Um I had forgotten that it was all a giant prequel and it's important to read Nailbiter Volume 1 before it. Um, mm-hmm. and these are available on like Amazon or if you have Hulu, you don't, you know, you can't afford it buy the trade paperbacks. Everyone, they are available on the Hoopla app, which is the, uh, am, uh not Hulu. Hoopla is the library free app that you can put on your tablet or cell phone that even Tim Seeley endorses that allows you to read graphic novels, comic books, audiobooks for free, five books at a time for two weeks or three weeks, uh, from your local library. You must have a registered library card to do it.
2: Which, that's pretty cool.
0: Yes. Um, I don't like the way Vlad is drawn in this, because once again, he just looks like a giant monster instead instead of a guy with just a discolored skin. Yeah. Yeah. The, um, the ring that is down below is in the place that they find the missing friend in Volume 1 of Nailbiter.
2: Okay, yeah.
0: This is below the serial killer graveyard.
2: Okay. Well, and that makes sense, because, I mean, he even calls this his little... Place his little hidden museum. So
0: correct, because he's got all of the various uh, trophies in there. Uh, the sign, the sign for the town. I love it. Says "Welcome to Buckaroo," and someone spray painted over "Birthplace of Serial Killers."
2: <laughs> I, I was going to say we've seen several references to horror movies where they do the same kind of thing. So I, I do love that too.
0: The Luchadori uh, killer is strung up on the Buckaroo Museum of Serial Killers gift shop. That is what happens to one of the people who sexually harass Alice in Nailbiter Volume One.
2: Oh, okay, so they have nice little tie-ins here and there.
0: Correct. Um, I would love a follow-up to you know Cassie and Vlad meeting up with Nailbiter today, but I haven't gotten through all volumes of Nailbiter, so I don't know if he lives or dies. So, uh, but it would be interesting to do another like retcon story where after he's gotten out of prison, Cassie and Vlad meet him after he's been acquitted of all the charges against him, because it's like a ridiculous amount of charges against this guy. Hold on, I will read them right now in two seconds as soon as I find the trial page. Um, Let's see, okay, here we go. So, uh, Nailbiter was um, brought to trial for 47 counts of kidnapping, uh, 39 counts of torture, 64 counts of menacing, Seventy counts of indecent exposure, twenty four counts of disorderly conduct, 82 counts of ag- aggravated assault, sixty counts of attempted murder, and forty five counts of first degree murder, and he is found not guilty. Oh jeez. What
2: kind of lawyer did he have?
0: Uh Johnny Cochran. <laughs> Um, yeah, can you freaking believe that? Unbelievable. I don't understand why all those accounts aren't exactly the same number. You know what I mean? I understand that mm-hmm. he probably tortured some people, but it seems like he didn't let anyone live. And he's also no. much, He's also considered to be a cannibal. In the Nailbiter storyline, it, he acts more like a Hannibal Lecter to the police.
2: I was going to say, in that last little hint at the end
0: of the issue, you
2: kind of get a sneak peek of it in that personality, so I can see that.
0: Now we're going to flip the issue over to Nailbiter hackslash.
2: Which, so for Nailbiter
0: hackslash,
2: I have that.
0: Now, the story opens up a few years before the Nailbiter's arrest. As I said, it was a is a prequel to it. The flip book that we have makes it seem like one is a Cassie story, and one is a Nailbiter story, which I think is quite interesting. The art in this by Mike Henderson I think is pretty good. He is, the of course, the artist on the um, actual Nailbiter book itself. Uh, we open up with, our, with a victim being killed by this razor blade killer, and Vlad has won himself a giant bunny, which, of course, Cassie thinks is ridiculous, probably because it's a big and pink and it's a bunny, and and she's not into all that being a goth chick. <laughs> By the way, <laughs>
2: And the bunny's people, almost his size.
0: Goth people can love pink too. <laughs> uh
2: yeah, I know a lot of pixie gothics, so
0: Um <laughs> uh, Vlad just wants to have fun at the carnival, which is very unusual. And of course Cassie spots the nail biter checking her out, and he is very quick to just disappear and then reappear and tries to work on her sweet side. Um, and it, uh, you know, she, I guess, trusts him because she lets him tag along, which is kind of funny.
2: I was gonna say, and she ends up trusting him pretty quickly. She should have trusted her gut instinct to think he was suspicious.
0: Right, and I did read this story first, so I was wondering, like, how, when I first read this comic, I was just like, wait, is this supposed to be a bad guy? Because he's so sweet, and he's so nice, and then you find out at the end, he's got somebody in the trunk, he's gonna bite his fingers.
2: It was a nice little twist ending. It really was.
0: This guy with the glasses reminds me of Peter Parker for some reason. I just can't figure out why.
2: Oh, my God. Or I was thinking like a weird Harry Potter Doctor Who mix. It was kind of weird.
0: Yeah. And, of course, uh, Cassie's more pissed off that she has to ride the damn Ferris wheel. She didn't want to.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Not that she has to save Warren. Just that she's got to be on the Ferris wheel.
0: Correct. Are you a big fan of corn dogs?
2: I love corn dogs. I think Apparently corn dogs so are the does Vlad.
0: Yeah, I think corn dogs are the best, but they can, uh, <laughs> you know, disrupt your, uh, um, you know, intestines, bowel movements sort of thing. <laughs> your, your
2: colon. Your My colon. My head issues. <laughs> yeah.
0: Um, the, the serial killer disappears, so I'm wondering if he shows up in Nailbiter, because this is a, the Nailbiter story. I, I'm really curious about that, because we don't see him. Vlad doesn't find yeah, the body.
2: You'll you'll definitely have to let me know on that one, the I just keep calling him the what-if butcher.
0: You have to uh, you have to pick up Nail Better, like I suggested. I, I ran through the whole entire first volume, and I loved it.
2: And based off of these comics, it's like, yeah, I, I definitely need to go get it, because it's, especially I'm intrigued by that whole backstory of the 16 serial killers born of Buckaroo.
0: Yeah, and by the way, in the middle of the comic book, they show you stuff written by the author as well. Ghosted was the book that I was referring to. Ghosted, Volume 1, 2, and 3. Uh, And there's a volume four. I I highly recommend that. I really recommend reading Ghosted. It's amazing. Again, uh, also, uh, if you do read that, try and find five ghosts. It's about an archaeologist who has five spirits living inside him. And he calls upon them for various things. One is a pirate. One is a vampire. One is a spy. One is a um, a, a cowboy. And I forget what the fifth one is. Oh, the fifth one is a, a, a Japanese samurai.
2: Oh, nice. Yeah. So if he needs help fighting or searching for something, that, that sounds
0: cool. Yeah, very cool story. But Ghosted, again, and like I said, it, it's Ocean's Eleven meets The Shining. <laughs> nice. Joshua Williams also wrote uh, something called Dear Dracula. I'm not too familiar with what that is. and Mobsters and Xenoholics which looks like a red-haired girl and an old man running from an alien. The alien's big and posing in the sky above them, like a floating skyhead. head. Um, and then uh, you flip the book over for the Cassie stuff, and of course it lists all the Hackslash stuff. And then Revival, Volumes 1, 2, 3, 4, 5. I've not read this book! Revival is a Tim Seeley book I have not read. For one day in a rural central Wisconsin, the dead come back to life. Now it's up to Officer Dana Cypress to deal with the media, scrutiny, religious zealots, and government quarantine that has come with them. In a town where the living have to learn to deal with those who are supposed to be dead, Officer Cypress must solve a brutal murder and everyone alive or undead is a suspect.
2: This sounds really cool. I have started... I, I was going to say, I have started Revival, and just from the first volume, it is
0: amazing. Really? So, I
2: mean, it's definitely one to read.
0: So you recommend if I find it at Boston Comic Con this weekend, pick it up?
2: Oh, definitely. Cool. Uh, especially during the whole COVID and quarantine thing, it's like, it's even more amusing,
0: so. <laughs> oh, awesome, awesome, awesome. So, by the way, that is the only ad in the entire comic book, Um, is the, uh, the works by Tim Seeley and the works by Joshua Williams. Williamson. Oh my gosh. That's cool. Oh, there's one for Birthright, which I don't... Oh, that's a Joshua Williamson book, too. Uh, it's got a kid with a sword and a stone and a backpack. Must be a King Arthur, <laughs> So, uh, But that's a Hack Slash Nailbiter. Like I said, I don't have a lot of, to go on, other than having just read Volume 1 of Nailbiter. And I can't recommend it enough. Really good story. The Nailbiter serial killer is so charming and such a son of a bitch. <laughs>
2: Where if he is like Hannibal Lecter, I can understand
0: why. Yes, definitely. Um, that is all the notes I have for this issue. Very quick. Uh, this issue is actually a lot shorter than I thought it was going to be. It's only 5 bucks too uh, originally, so I don't know what the other price is. And as far as I'm aware, it's just got the two alternate flip covers. I don't think this had an alternate alternate cover.
2: No, I think it was just the original ones, and I don't think there was anything special or extra in the omnibus either. So
0: Gotcha, cool. Um, Charcy, what do you got coming up on your YouTube channel?
2: Uh, as of right now, uh, DC and I have been keeping a little channel of horror simple, and we're just doing um, basically any kind of forms of stories or talks that we have for horror-related. we got Halloween coming up, so we've been doing... The last one we did was on ghost, ghost stories, but I'm kind of hoping that sometime soon we can talk about local urban legends and the areas we're from.
0: Oh, that's awesome. Very, very cool. And on Radio Horror, we've got various guests coming on. We've got various bands coming on. Um, and, of course, uh, like I said, I'll be at Boston Comic Con. Um, there's a film festival I'm going to coming up um, probably after this is posted um, let me see. Oh, we have some cool prizes if you'd like to get an awesome prize of Candyman. Uh Charcy will have hers very soon. We have yeah. some cool Char- uh, candyman mirrors to give away. All you have to do is send us an email, that at gmail.com and pay for shipping and you can get a cool candyman mirror or t shirt. And please pay for shipping as shipping is not cheap. And you can find us on Goth Girl Horror on Twitter and uh our individual Twitters at Christy SAV.
2: Or mine at Charcy Lux.
0: And you can send us an email at radioheart at gmail.com. And we'll be back in a couple of weeks with Hackslash versus Halloween Man, another one shot uh, that we've been needing to get to for quite some time.
2: And it's one of my favorites, too. So I'm excited for that one.
0: Cool.